Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you could fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Um, yeah, guys, we got UFC 277 coming up at the end of the month. Right around the corner is the home run derby. You know, maybe maybe old man Pujols could pull one out as the uh, as a as the special contestant. Who knows? You got great odds on them. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 228 of the Big Show is some enforcer based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? 
Back. Back in black, baby. Back from the lake. Relaxation's over. Right back into the fire. Here we go. How you guys doing? Nice to talk to you again. Um, yeah. I have, uh, in case uh, and you didn't know, you're like, what? what's Darren talking about? Well, um, I had taken the last... This week off, I was up at uh, Candle Lake and enjoyed myself at the in-laws' cabin, had fun, uh, drank some beers, and uh, my fat ass floated out in the lake for hours on end, and I enjoyed it, and the weather was nice, a little windy, uh, so unfortunately we couldn't get out on the boat, but, uh, uh, but like I said, I always say with that stuff, as long as I'm not at work, I really don't give a shit, so I was just happy to be away and not having to uh, put on the work boots and get back out there, so... It was nice to have off, and uh, I get along with my in-laws, thankfully. And uh, it was just fun to hang out with, uh, hang out and drink some beers and and, and bullshit, and it, it was good. So, um, but of course, as soon as I got back home, uh, the next day I was back at it on Friday, and then of course this weekend I had been working as there's events going on in town. So, yes, there's no no rest for the wicked, right? Thrown right back into the deep end. So, away we go. Um, hopefully, my next day off will be. The August 6th long, or August 6th weekend, which of course is Ice Wars 2 in Edmonton that I am hoping to attend and, uh, cheer on my boy, Team Swanson, Curtis Swanson in the main event versus Daniel Amesbury. Um, looking forward to that. Really looking forward to this lightweight tournament. <coughs> Pardon me, the lightweight tournament that they're having. And, uh, I'm just looking forward to Ice Wars and getting out. And I like Edmonton in general. I got a few friends up there. Get up there, see them. Uh, you know, wife will be hit hit South Com- hit South Common and uh, and IKEA. I got to do IKEA, right? Wife loves loves IKEA. Although I will say, last time we were at IKEA, it was pretty good. We were in and out, and uh, actually, I to be complete, I won't tell her that, but keep it a secret. We'll keep. It. I actually don't mind IKEA. It's you know whatever. It's okay. They got good meatballs. Nah, shit, whatever. We actually blow through it pretty quick. So she actually likes the, uh, I guess if you're familiar with the Kia into the basement where it's like, um, she always picks up stuff for like the classroom, like the dividers, like the little plastic dividers and all that bullshit. Yeah. She's always picking shit up for her classroom and stuff. And of course it's so cheap there. Right. So that's normally what we're doing. We're not in like the upstairs that going through the bedrooms and the kitchens and all that, you know, um, we're not doing any of that. So overall the Kia, yeah, whatever. But we're gonna stay at the casino and stuff, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that trip. So, and then after that, it's pretty much uh, you know a couple weeks after that, and wife goes back to school, and I mean her her you know right back at it again for her. So um, yeah, but uh, where does the summer go? But as it is right now, we're still in July, so let's not uh, let's not speed up time. Right, time goes fast enough. So, but. Um, yeah, I hope, uh, while I was gone, of course, through the power of scheduling and everything, uh, my David Siegel interview came out, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, he was a great guest, and uh, I know the feedback's been pretty strong on it. They're, people have really enjoyed it. Um, of course, before that, I had Travis Check, who, as I said, pre- as I just mentioned about the lightweight tournament, um, he is a competitor in that. I had him on there briefly to talk about it, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it, and uh so today, actually the last couple of days, actually even when I was, not to be completely honest, I, I really wasn't thinking too much of the podcast while I was sitting up at the lake, but um, on the drive home I kind of was, um, 
And I've been debating, of course, the Bob Probert tournament that I got to do. I think at this point, um, I'm pretty much going to have to, I'm going to put it out when I get back from Edmonton. Um, because I want to do a preview show about the tournament. As always, the last couple of years I've done it. I've done an episode where we talk about the matchups and the guys involved in it. And it's just a fun little... I've got a couple of different guys on. and um, I've had different people on each of the episodes. And I have a couple gentlemen. Um, one that's never been on the show. And one that was on my 200th episode that I want to bring back on. And... Uh, uh, no slight to, to Steve or to Alec or, or Jay or anybody that I've had on before. Just different voice, you know, just a different opinion on things. Um, you know, that is the only reason why. Um, and, uh, and I want to do a preview episode. And then, of course, the tournament takes, I think it's, what did I figure, 11 days? 10 days for sure to do it. And, uh, and I don't want to do, be doing it while I'm in Edmonton and, Blah, blah, blah. I want to do it here because all the shit's on the computer and whatever. So, um, I believe at, well, I don't believe it will happen, uh, probably, uh, mid August is when the tournament will go on. So, uh, I know I bounced out. Oh, I'm going to do it when I get back and blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> so that's what's going on there. Um, yeah. And I have some guests lined up. I've talked to a few guys. Uh, just got to, uh, yeah, it's like anything, right? You just gotta, I mean, and that's the thing, right now, their kids are out of school and their family vacation and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I mean, everyone's busy this time of year in terms of vacation or, you know, this is the time, right? So, um, you know, especially, you know, if you have you know, younger kids and stuff, there's always the family vacation, right? Or go up to the lake like I did, you know, unless I've had a few guys, they're like, Oh no, dude, when I'm up there, I can do it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, hold off on the boating trip while you talk to the fourth line voice. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that to anybody. So, um, you know, I, I had one guy, he was going to Vegas and he's like, oh yeah, we'll just do it from the hotel room. I'm like, yeah, you're in Vegas. The last thing you're going to do is sit on a phone in the hotel. Talk to me. I appreciated the offer, but it was like, no, that's okay. We'll wait till you get back. It's not that big of a deal. Um, so, but yes, always have guests and irons in the fire and constantly, you know, working the phone lines. So, you know, well, I'll have some guests coming up for you guys, but, uh, oh, but today, what are we going to talk about today? Well, um, did I already do this? See, it's funny as I, as I'm, <laughs> oh, this is funny. As I've been sitting here, I've done this intro like four times in the last like half a day. I started it, then went and mowed the lawn, came back in. Then for some reason I was just like tongue tied. So I was like, forget it. I'll go eat some supper. And then I just did the dishes and whatever. And it's just like came back and I've been just putting this off and putting this off. I'm just like, ugh. Um, so yeah, this is funny. Yeah. So I just stopped it again. Yeah. So stop. I can't remember what I talked about already. Um, so. Um, if I repeat myself, it isn't the audio. Um, I'm just, uh, it's as I'm sitting here staring at the computer monitor, it is 957. Uh, so let's, let's get into this, shall we? Enough stopping and starting. Um, well, before we get into it, uh, obviously I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network, whatever, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, we have old Alec over there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, he is uh, a little slow going between episodes. Um, I know they're house shopping right now 
and uh, between that and work and and that sort of thing, um, and just life in general. Um, the episodes are a little limited right now. Uh, like I said, he's got a lot on his plate, but uh, he has not quit or anything like that. Um, I know he would like to do more. Um, he's just, you know, things are happening right now for him. So like I said, young guy just married, you know, they're, you know, a lot, you know how it is, uh, us older listeners, you know, they're at that stage of his life, right? So, um, a lot of things are happening. So podcast obviously is not on the top of his priority list, but I know he, uh, I know he wants to, um, you know, come out with shit on a, on the regular, but, uh, it's a little tough right now, but, uh. In the meantime, he does have a tremendous back catalog by Lois, Rob Ray, Jason Rushton, Sean Pete, um, you know, on and on. Um, and uh, and if you happen to be on YouTube, well, I always say that everyone's on YouTube. If you're on next time, you're on YouTube. Go to the Five for Fighting channel. Um, he has been putting up the East Coast League fights this past year. He's been putting up the East Coast League fights, and uh, I know he did a, a video of uh, the best of uh, of twenty one twenty two. It's a really good video. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a strong league this year. Um, and, uh, some great fights and, uh, I highly recommend checking out his channel. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button. Like I said, for the, for the users, it's not a big deal to you guys, but to the creators, it is a big deal and it helps us out. And we're trying to get Alec to a thousand subscribers. So if you're on the YouTubes, hit the subscribe button. It would great be greatly appreciated. And after you're done watching some East Coast League videos, bounce over to the 4th Line Voice channel, my channel on YouTube. Again, hit the subscribe button. I would greatly appreciate that. But I have over 2,500 videos. All league, OHL, WHL, AHL, IHL, whatever league. It's everything sorted. Just type it into the search engine. Boom, up it'll come. Got some really old stuff on there and uh, some rare stuff that uh, that isn't uh, on any other channel as far as some junior content goes. And, uh, yeah, check it out. I think you'll dig it. But, uh, yeah, let's get into this, shall we? Uh, the main event. Ten minutes in, we're finally getting into it. Um, I think today what I'm going to talk about um, there are some more enforcer signings, um, ranking the junior leagues. I found an interesting article, um, that had <laughs> some, uh, some strong feedback to it. Um, you know, everyone's going to have their disagreements on the junior leagues, but I'm going to throw that out there for you guys. Uh, not that I agree with the rankings, but, uh, just to let you know, just to give you guys the haps of what's going on out there as the kids say, Keep you wise to the, to what's, what's going on. Um, and then my old friend Chris, the old Y2J there, as the old fight fans will know him as, um, created, <laughs> created this shitstorm two days ago. Um, of course, once again, here we go talking Scott Stevens, a very polarizing figure on the different Facebook fight groups. And, uh, he brought up an interesting, it was a different slant on, uh, Stevens, uh, his career. And, uh, yeah, and it created a conversation, which, um, you know, on, I, I've said on this show a million times and ranted and raved about creating, about creating conversation through this show or through the Facebook groups, not only myself, but anybody that does. And, um, I've often said there's a lack of it. Um, and, and like I said, uh, it's his opinion, this, but he has, but he backs his opinions up with, um, you know, his points and whether you agree with or not, he has his points. Those are, like I said, those are, I mean, at the end of the day, who is to, there's no right or wrong answer to any of this stuff, but it, again, it creates a conversation and he does it in a respectful way and he's not an idiot and like, 
Um, and him and I actually had a very uh, disagreed over this. Um, with some of the pieces, some of it I agreed with, and like, and but other, I get his wording of it. I I have a different opinion on some of it, and we'll get into all that. Uh, but we had a respectful, not only on Facebook, but through text messages, we were talking. And um, I know his work day went from eight hours to about twelve because of this. What he decided to post on there created uh, he had he was getting shit from everywhere flying at him. Uh, and of course, with anything, you're going to get bozos that reply and whatever. But and, you know, and a, I know a few of the replies got deleted and stuff. But there's always the idiots, of course. But then other people chimed in and made some great points, and it and it was just a it was just a fun conversation between amongst the fight geeks. And uh, yeah, and I believe me, I'm wholeheartedly including myself in that group. So, um, well, this whole podcast is a whole fight geeks dream, is it not? <laughs> so. Uh, but oh, that's the other thing. Believe me, folks, I, I'm not taking this shit seriously whatsoever. Like, I'm I, I've always said I'm I'm well aware of my station in in the uh, hockey fight ecosystem. So uh, believe me, I I, I know. <laughs> but uh, no, and I and I appreciated. Uh, I I said that I said it on Facebook to Chris uh, in the thread that um, I appreciate him. Uh, because it wasn't just a complete hit piece of go, oh, it's a piece of shit, you know, whatever. No, you know, it wasn't, you know, he made his points about it, and uh, but he also acknowledged, which you have to, if any sane person acknowledges he's a Hall of Fame player and whatever. You don't have to like him, but he was. So, um, but anyway, yes, it's a, it's a, I, like I said, I know I've, I've talked about Stevens on here a few times, and I'm sure there's a few people like, oh, God, again. Um, but it's a, this is a different take on it, and, uh, and like I said, I, I, the one thing I do appreciate about the conversation in the fight group, um, cause a lot of the times in this, in these fight groups, um, and, and you know, whatever, I mean, you know, how many times can we talk about Probert or Brown being number one or two? You know what I mean? Like there's only, oh, how, who was the hardest puncher? You know, it's like, how many times can you bring up these, these topics, right? Um, you know, and it's just the redundancy of it. It's like, um, you know, where, uh, but every once in a while, like, this will come up. Yeah, it's a Scott Stevens thread, and it wasn't like anything was uncovered, earth-shattering. Um, well, I should say that. The way, actually, it's approached is a different way of looking at things, like, a timeline-wise. Um, but it was just something, it wasn't some ridiculous hot take or anything that was completely asinine. Um, no, it was, it was just a fun discussion to bring up, and... And I and I told Chris I appreciated it because I said I'm totally stealing this and putting it on the show because uh, right now in the dog days of summer and everything else and I've often said with this show it's listener driven like if I need ideas from people and uh, constantly I mean if you're doing a natural predator podcast well yeah just watch the game and then you talk about the game you already have, you have built in content every week. And then you either take the summer off or you don't. You just talk about your draft picks or free agency or whatever. Like everything's sort of done for you because you're just basically it's the timeline of whatever the team's doing. You're reacting to whatever the team does. Well, with this show, it's just it's just stories and interviews and tidbits and antidotes, right? So it's like I, I need creation from people or find things on my own or whatever, which I do sometimes. But at the same time, it's like, like I said, I've been working seven days a week. Um, before these holidays, these few holidays, 
So I, I don't have time, and, you know, and I do have a wife to talk, I have to talk to now and again, and a life outside of, away from a microphone, um, you know, so I don't have enough, I don't have all the time in the world to, to break down, uh, you know, who, who are the toughest left wingers, uh, pre-expansion, you know, and the, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, so I, I mean, I wish I could, I had time to do all that and, and bring those great things to you guys or, uh, but I don't, so um, I need listener help, and uh, so I appreciated Chris doing this. Um, there, there's a very long-winded, but not even discussing yet what he talked about. But we're still on what's, what we're going to talk about today, and I talked about it for eight minutes without really saying anything. <laughs> Government worker, right? Um, but yes, the 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 the, the uh, tale of two Scots, as I believe he called it. And then uh, finally, I have a list. Tim, I got a list. Tim's excited. Got a list. It was sent to me. Uh, I don't have that open. I whoever sent it to me, I will thank you. Um, I have. I've said I have. People send me. I have a few guys that send me lists now and again, and I just basically put the links in a file. And uh, and I when I click on them, um, I am discovering them just like the listeners, just like you guys are. So because so your my reaction to everything is genuine because I don't know what the list is. So I, th- I think it's more fun that way. Um, anyway, it is a Buffalo Sabres um, top eight list. Um, where's my, I'm sitting in the dark. Where's my mouth? Oh, here, I'll get, that'll be the last thing we do anyway. Um, yes, and it was from, I will come up with the blog or whatever, where it's from uh, when I open it up on the computer. Where's my mouse, damn it? I'm in the dark. Well, there it is. All right. I have a bunch of screens minimized here that I have to open up as we continue. Um, oh my god! You can tell was somebody in my. It's like when you're gone, someone was into your stuff. Here, where's all my things? My pen, my microphone, my cords wrapped around over here. My paper. All right, that real professional setup we got here. All right. What was the first thing I was talking about? Oh, enforcer signing. Wow. Um, it has come to once again overseas um, in the EIHL in the UK League. Well, last week we talked about Matthew Gagnon signing with the Nottingham Panthers. Nottingham's back at it again. This time, Garrett Hunt has signed. Tremendous! I am I am so excited to see this. Um, I've been a fan of Garrett Hunt. Since his junior hockey days with the Vancouver Giants, um, he is, I have never seen anyone play quite like that, um, where they just run around like a Super Bowl. Well, much like Tutu did in junior and Hordachuk did in junior, Garrett Hunt the same way, um, unbelievable. I'm, I'm, and I, and I was telling a couple guys that over in the UK, um, I told them that I said, cause at the first, it's been rumored here for the last bit, bunch of weeks that Hunt might sign and you know how those goes. But, uh, um, I said with Hunt and Gagnon, I said, I think Nottingham's got the toughest team in hockey <laughs> these days. But, um, I, I, I flat out told a couple of the Nottingham guys, I said, believe me, I said, you've never seen anything like this. And I'm telling you, I'm not being this a hot take and I'm trying to like, 
No, I'm serious. For the UK fans out there, you guys are, like the fight fans that are listening to this, never mind whatever team you cheer for and all that bullshit. Put the Take the Homer bullshit off. I'm just saying in terms of pure entertainment value, when you put your money down and you go and watch, if you're not, if like the Nottingham's the visiting team, uh, you're in for a treat when Garrett Hunt steps in the ice. Uh, believe me, you have never seen anything like this. I know he's older now and whatever, but he'll he will run around and it is going to be very interesting. I can't, I'm already called, I'm, I, the amount of suspensions I think that he is going to get. Um, so see Nottingham early before the league throws the book at Hunt because I know with the checking thing over there, it's like that they don't want the puck or whatever. Like, he, like you talk about a guy that finishes his checks, it's like, yeah. And I mean, he runs around, he'll fight anybody, um, he is East Coast Hockey League's all-time penalty minute leader. Um, at the same time, I have seen, um, of course, in classic uh, UK fashion, um, I have ranted and raved on here about UK fans. I'm going to get into the, the fucking head idiot in a second. But um, I said it's a bunch of people, and, and I said, I don't know... Like, I get, oh, I'm a Panther guy, or I'm a Giants guy, or whatever, you know, I get the whole fandom thing, but I, I, I've, I've said it when I've had guys on the show from over here for the UK, I, and, and I've said it with hockey fans in general, the, the fandom is just blinds them. Like, every other team's a piece of shit, my team's the only good, like, it's just idiocy, like, they can't see past their own team. I mean, it's a mindset that I don't understand. I mean, I get, oh, I want our team to win. Of course, I understand that. But this idea that if they're not on the team, fuck them, and I hate everybody else, you know, it's just stupid. So, and it just seems to be so prevalent over there. It's just, I don't I don't get it. The fandom is whatever. But I'm like, you have a bunch of people talking about Hunt that have no idea who he is. You've never seen him play. All you're doing is looking at, like, hockey DB and making some judgment on him. Or you watch YouTube, you watch a bunch of fight clips on YouTube, and oh, we're getting Ogie Oglethorpe or something. He's just some piece of shit goon. Oh, and he uh, he assaulted a ref and threw a garbage can. He's uncontrollable. Yeah, I mean, we all saw the clip. Like He didn't assault... I mean, they put abuse of official. The video's online. Go watch it. He doesn't lay one hand on the ref. Like, it's just... Stop with your stupid talk. He didn't abuse a ref, whatever. He was taunting the, the the six foot nine guy that wouldn't fight him again. Garrett Hunt's five foot seven, yeah, the, and yeah, the six nine guy or whatever wouldn't fight. So Hunt was making fun of him. And again, it's in a in a, uh, it was in Romania or something. So it wasn't like it was in the East Coast League where they they deal with this stuff. It's in Romania, and of course they just they freak out if there's going to be a fight. Um, so he was taunting the bench and whatever, but no, he wasn't throwing refs around or anything stupid like these idiots are talking about. And yeah, and they, and when he got tossed and they told him it's for abusive official, <clears throat> yeah, he got fired up and, oh, he threw a garbage can on the ice. Oh, well, whatever. It wasn't like he hit anybody with it. He threw it on the ice and he was mad he was getting tossed. Cause at that point when they probably told him it was abusive official, he knew he was going to get a whole bunch of games. And he did, but. So, of course, everybody, oh, so look what they're getting. Like, you have no idea. Stop talking about shit you have no you, you have no clue about. Oh, he's just an idiot. Okay, well, he in 11 years in the East Coast Hockey League, he had a letter. He had the captain C on his jersey for eight of those and was a player assistant coach in his last few years in Stockton. 
So they don't, so stop with the, he's some uncontrollable maniac. Um, in 700 games, he had 247 points. Okay. It, yeah. I mean, is he Rocket Richard? No. Does he have an idea of what the little black frozen thing rolling around out there is? Yes. And he had, and of course, he is the all-time pen limit leader. So yes, he will throw down with anybody. He will throw a hit on anybody and he runs around like a madman. Yes. He's like a smaller version of Cam Jansen's, but with more offensive talent. Is that there? That'll sum it up for if you're trying to get a visual. But he runs around more than Jansen's did too. But yeah. Oh, believe me, you're going to watch it. Like, if he in Nottingham, he's going to be a fan favorite within a game. Within two periods, they'll be like, "This, he's my favorite player. You know. And he's, and he's a bodybuilder, legitimately. And, like, ripped to shreds. And, yeah. I mean, I can't say enough about Garrett. I'm pumped. I, I love it. I can't wait to see him over there. I believe When he starts acting up and running around, I can't wait to hear the crying from the other fans. From the other fan bases. It's going to be tremendous. And I'm going to love it every minute of it, but I'm like, oh, he, he's going to be suspended for <laughs> forever. <coughs> so see Nottingham early because after that, oh yeah. But as I said, the fans, a whole bunch of fans, whining and crying about shit they have no under, they don't have any, know anything about. But again, and a bunch of these Steelers bozos are sitting there crying. Um, and the ringleader, and somebody explained to me, I mean, I've talked to some players, I'm not going to say the players, but I've talked to players that have been over there and talked to asked them about this guy, and they just rolled in, they just called the guy a joke and whatever, he's a goof. And I've talked to other fans, and he's a goof, unless you're maybe you're in Sheffield and you think he's a nice guy or whatever, and maybe, maybe away from the rink or wherever he's a nice guy, but all I can go on in this is his social media a presence and he's a he's a goof. It's this David Sims guy. He's a buffoon. And the thing is, if I'm the Sheffield Steelers, I you want this guy representing your team? Like I don't know what he does with the Steelers other than have a big mouth on online. But he's embarrassing. And he's sitting there mouthing off players like he's getting into it with Kyle Haas about Gagnon. Well, the only thing about Gagnon signing is nine other teams are glad they signed him because now, you know, and just like, what are you, what are you talking? And like, I've seen you pull this shit before. Like, I know when Fitzgerald left, you mouthed off about that too, you know, and you're, you got a, he's just got a big mouth and your account looks like some little 14 year old fangirls account. It's embarrassing. You're a grown adult. And you're supposed to be a representative of the team. And this is how you talk online? And like I've seen some of the bullshit you've posted. I've heard of some of the idiot shit you've said at games. And this guy, once again, this guy's still employed by the team? If you're the Sheffield Steelers, how do you have this goof anywhere near your team? Like, I don't mean, I mean, I'm sure there's Sheffield fans that are listening to this and you're friends with them or whatever. I, I don't give a shit. I'm telling you as a complete outsider, I have no bias towards it. I don't give a shit what team he, I, Sheffield or Belfast or I don't give a shit about any of these teams. I'm not a fan of any of these teams. I'm, I'm just speaking from an outsider's point of view. When I read UK hockey Twitter and I see this bozo getting into it with players, and talking like a little fanboy, and then I'll, you go to it, and he's a representative of the Sheffield Steeler Hockey Club. Do you know how bush that looks? 
Like, if you want to be Steeler fan 69 and yell and scream about Gagnon's a piece of shit and Kyle Oz a loser and, you know, whatever. And, you know, okay, whatever. That, I mean, I still think you're an idiot, but whatever. You're just some fucking idiot fan. But when you're a representative of the team and employed by the team and you're on there talking stupid... Like, how do, does, does no one in Sheffield say anything to, well, I'm answering my own question. Clearly they don't. Cause I've seen this bullshit for how many years now on, since I've been on Twitter, I've read his bullshit. Every year. On and on. It just doesn't know shit from apple butter about hockey. But, clearly, from the stupidity that he says, spews, it's embarrassing. I don't get it. I mean, I'm talking to myself, I guess, but I don't, like, how does management allow that? I don't understand it. Whatever. But, I mean, I'm just saying, as strictly an outsider, that's just my opinion. He makes the team look really bad, you know. But arguing with players online is just an embarrassing look. But, anyway, you Nottingham fans are in for a treat because Garrett Hunt is awesome, and you'll dig it. And, uh, yeah. Great signing by the Panthers. I'm loving it. Gagnon and Hunt taking on the world. All right, folks. Um, the magic of editing. I'm editing out. I'm calling an audible here. Um, I started doing that junior list. And it was, uh, yeah, it was about as exciting as watching paint dry. I was boring myself reading it. So it was like, okay, forget it. <laughs> um, if anybody's interested in that list, um, Hit me up on social media. I will send the, I will send you the article. Um, yeah, it just wasn't really that. It, it, it's not a big deal. It was just ranking the different leagues and whatever. And I was rambling on about each league. And yeah, it was just, I wasn't enjoying the piece. So it was, uh, I don't, I, I, I like I said, I, I made an executive decision <laughs> for the sake of my listeners. Um, so let's get into this whole, uh, <clears throat> Scott Stevens business, shall we? Um, uh, as I said, uh, Chris old Y2J a few days ago came up with this, uh, where he posted this. And, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, as he called it the tale of two Scott Stevens. Um, and I will read you what he wrote and we can get into it. Um, to me, there are two versions of the legendary defenseman Scott Stevens marked by a single event. The game between the Blues and Blackhawks on March 17th, 91. The two versions of Stevens are pre-Manson and after-Manson. Before the St. Patrick's Day Massacre, Stevens would take on pretty much anybody, backing his vicious hits by dropping the gloves when he had to against anyone from any weight class. However, after the bloodying he he took at the hands of Dave Manson in Chicago in March 91, there was a noticeable change in Stevens' game and the way he conducted himself. I don't think Stevens ever wanted to be put in that position again, looking bad in front of his team, his opponents, or his, or the opponent's crowd. A big part of Stevens' persona is, is being the alpha on the ice, establishing physically and mental dominance over his foes. Stevens had a lot more psychological warfare to his game after the beating he took, always dueling out brutal hits, but only sticking with his weight class or lower when dropping the gloves, thus really getting under opponent's skin. He did fight guys like Probert, McKenzie, and Brown, but only when he got forced into it, and then he strictly had the the goal of getting out of those fights unscathed. Usually the after-Manson version of Stevens employed tactics that had some weaselness to them. 
deliver vicious hits, then back off and smirk when a genuine heavyweight wanted to fight him, either letting his teammates do the fighting for him or letting the officials intervene. So to sum it up, Scott Stevens, before the Manson beating, was more admirable uh, and respectable than the, the player he became when he joined the Devils in 91-92. Not taking anything away from him, he was an all-time great and the best hitter ever, but I clearly see why some tough guys had less respect for him. <clears throat> like I said, it's an interesting um, take that that uh, Chris has. Um, I've never actually really timelined it in that sense. Like I said, um, I've, on this show I've talked about the Scott Stevens things and gotten into arguments online with people about him. Um, he's a very polarizing figure. And um, I've never thought of... Because he, he did a lot more fighting in Washington and in the one year in St. Louis. And then when he got to New Jersey, he really slowed down. Um, so... I've always attributed that just to just his position in New Jersey. The fact he was older in his 30s at that point. And, um, yeah, just maybe they didn't want him fighting. But I, like, I mean, we weren't in on the meetings. I have no idea. But he got older. He slowed down his fights. That's, that's always how I've looked at it. I never actually had a, at this moment, this is what had happened. Whereas Chris has obviously gone about and done this. Um so, of course, that led to, um, well, in this, he put it in a number of different fight groups. So, of course, this led to one having 157 comments. Um, and again, some, some of the, um, some of the comments, um, you know, from a couple, oh, he was a dirty player, um, you know, which I responded, well, he was never suspended. Um, and also Chris replied, calling him a dirty player isn't really accurate and undercuts how great of a defenseman and a leader he was. And that's true. Um, I, I did say with the Stevens thing, um, it's not really fair to him because at the time he was playing, well, and then I, because I said, well, he was never suspended. Well, it was a different time and they didn't suspend like they do now and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's true. But at the same time, he was playing within the parameters and rules of the game at, in that era. Now, if you look at it with 2023 eyes, oh, well, yeah, he's a psycho and, and whatever. Um, uh, so, you know, but within, that's not fair to him, though. When, you, when you're when you looking at the 1992, 3, 4, 5 version of Scott Stevens and then trying to compare it to today's mindset, and then that's why you call him dirty. Well, okay, that's, not, that's not fair, in my opinion. Um but then, of course, you have these people. Well, and then, of course, uh, as with Chris, he, you know, um, there's obviously the link to the fight and whatever. The If anybody's interested, of course, it's on YouTube. Dave Manson versus Scott Stevens. Um, I believe it's referred to as round two. But um, Stevens was St. Louis and Manson's was Chicago. Of course, in those famous rivalry. Um, and then, of course, people of you know, you know, Manson smoked his ass and then, um, uh, one, it's amazing how Mark Messier gets praised for doing the same thing Stevens did, except he fought a whole lot less and was suspended a whole lot more. Well, that's very true. Messier was, actually a lot of the shit Messier did was, yeah, I mean, people yell, I've always said people yell and scream about Stevens being dirty and it's like, Stevens wasn't a stick guy. He wasn't a knee guy. Um, he, I, 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 my whole opinion on Scott, like, was he ever dirty? Well, he played 1600 NHL games. So yeah, I'm sure he threw some dirty shit. I mean, again, when you talk about this shit, nothing's absolute in life. I mean, when you say these things, but in general, was Scott Stevens dirty? No. 
Scott Stevens just hit really, really hard. And that's why I said some of you, some of you guys, you sit and cry about him. Basically, you're crying because he hit too hard. That's really what it comes down to. He hit harder than everyone else. Oh, he's a headhunter. Oh, you cut, he came across the middle. Again, it was within the parameters of the game. Again, oh, because you're a Philadelphia fan, maybe, and you're a Lindros guy. So, of course, Stevens is a big piece of shit. Well, was his hit on Lindros dirty? I mean, if you're a Flyer fan, you think it is. See, again, I'm much like, uh, in, in the fact that down the middle, I'm indifferent to the, I, I like Lindros. I like Scott Stevens, too. I'm just calling it like it is. I'm indifferent on all this. If you want to call Stevens dirty, okay, fine, but whatever. But I'm not yelling at it. I'm not yelling it because I'm a Detroit guy and he hit Kozlov, or I'm a Flyer guy and he hit Lindros, you know, or I'm a Ducks guy and he hit Korea. You know, that, that's not, I'm indifferent to all this. But I'm just saying, was the hit, and in in, in take your Homer fandom out of it, was the hit on Eric Lindros dirty? I mean, we've all seen it a thousand times. I watched it again today. I don't think so. Well, he hit him in the head. Well, Lindros is leaning. Lindros standing straight up is six foot five. At that point, when Stevens hits him, where's his head at? At about the five foot ten mark, five eleven, because he's reaching to try to poke the puck through the two guys to get it over to Leclerc. Lindros has talked about this. He was trying to get it through. Everybody, oh, he skates with his head down. No, he was trying to push the puck through two defenders. Is what he's trying to do. It was a risky play. And it would, have, it would have sprung Leclerc or Renberg or one of the two, whatever. He was trying to get it over to a teammate. So he was caught leaning. And that's when Stevens was coming across the middle. He didn't, now, did he go out of his way? Well, like you said, you cut across the middle. Any defense, that's, that's smorgasbord for any defense, any physical defenseman of the day, not just Scott Stevens. It was just compound, it just made things worse when it was Scott Stevens. So, you know, it, it, like I've always said with Stevens with his hits, the, you know, the majority of his massive hits and his highlight hits that everybody talks about, that's all shoulder. He's not jumping elbows at anyone's head. Now, does he hit a couple guys in the head? Yeah. Was he targeting the head? By, by, no. Because <laughs> most of the time they're either bent over or they're playing the puck or their head's down. Well, that's not really targeting the head if their head's down. I mean, it, I mean, I I understand the definition and what they're saying, but when someone's got their head down and they're stick handling and they're five foot eight and you're six two, how do you not hit them in the head? Explain how do you get lower than a guy five eight stick handling with his head down? Explain that to me. And you know, oh well, just don't do it then. I love that one. We'll just don't hit him then. Or like a couple of these guys, he didn't need to throw those hits. Well, why didn't he need to? See, this is the thing I, I get. This is where a lot of you guys talk out of both sides of your mouth. That's another thing I want to talk about. You guys go on and on about this, all oh, this aggressive hockey and hard-hitting hockey and intensity and all this. Well, Stevens was the definition of that, and you're giving him shit for it. Because, oh, he didn't need to. Well, again, what does that mean, he didn't need to? What are we doing here? You're trying to win a cup, and you're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. So I kind of think in my mind, yeah, he did need to. Now, you know, and this is one of the, and when I was with Chris, well, I mean, I've told Chris, I'm going to talk about this on the show, so I'm not exposing anyone's business of what we were talking about in a private conversation, but he kind of brought that up, that kind of headhunting, intentional, whatever, and I'm like, 
do I think Scott Stevens set out to intentionally hurt people? No. Now, he was going to hit you as hard as he was going to hit you. If you got hurt from that, well, then that's too bad. But did I think he sat in the locker room against Philadelphia and said, oh, I'm going to catch Lindros if he comes across the middle. I'm going to stick my elbow in his forehead and knock him out. No. But if the, if the opportunity presented itself, he was certainly going to hit him. They, those two had been running at each other for years. It was just another game and just another hit in Steven's mind. But, of course, it had some real bad consequences for Lindros. Same thing with Kozlov or whoever. Did I think he set out to purposely do it and injure people? No. But he was going to throw the biggest hit and it didn't matter who, who was coming across the middle. If that had been Michael Renberg instead of Lindros, do you think, oh, I'm not going to hit him as hard? Uh, he's going to hit him just as hard. So do I think he intentionally did any of that? No. But, um, you know, and like I said, as we go on, um, another one of Chris and I were going back and forth on, well, of course, this all leads to, of course, the famous last, I don't know when he said it, last year or six months ago or whatever, was, of course, Ty Domi calling Stevens a pussy because, oh, he never fight me and blah, blah, blah. Of course, everyone picks up on it and whatever, and they're all, yeah, yeah, exactly, you should have fought Ty. Okay, um... Well, like I said, he fought Probert and Brown and Tockett and Brashear and all these guys. It wasn't like Scott Stevens was picking on, you know, third-line Swedes or something. Like, no, he go look at his fight card. His fight card's awesome. He fought tough guys. So then, Chris is the thing, is then why couldn't he have fought Domi if he fought all those guys? You know, and I understand what he's saying. But, my again, my my take to that was... Why does he have to fight tight only? Why are you having a first line defenseman Hall of Famer in his 30s fight tight only, who's a fourth line player? There's nothing wrong with tight only. He's fine. He did it. He was great at his job. But why, from a management, from a coaching standpoint, why would you want that? You wouldn't want that. When, especially when your team employs McKay, Danico, Scott Stevens, Scott Daniels, you know, why are you having your number? Your, see, that's the other thing. He's also a defenseman, captain, and a first pairing D man. So, and on a low scoring team, defense and a defense first trap team, you kind of need him on the ice. So why am I going to have him fight Ty Domi just because he hit Domi and Domi didn't like it? Mm, all right. I mean, I get it. I'm not saying, you know, I wish he had fought Domi. And I think it got to the point where some of the incidents him and Domi had where he would get under Domi's, I think he just liked Domi seemed to be, he liked antagonizing Domi and getting him really frustrated. I'm not sure why he never fought him. Like, it's true, he did fight everyone else, so I don't know why he didn't fight Domi. It can't be, like, a fear thing, which Chris said, too. It's not like he would be scared of him. Um, do I think he'd beat Ty Domi up? No. You know, um, especially in his later New Jersey days, Stevens didn't wasn't that great. At any point, Stevens was not really a great fighter. He would fight in his younger days with Washington. He had a couple of good fights. He, I think, you know, I think he had to uh, drop John ja Jackson and a couple guys and stuff. He had a really good fight with Jay Miller. It's on my YouTube channel. Um, but other than that, he was not some great, huge fighter, but he'd fight everybody. Um, but as he got on in New Jersey, no, his fighting got less and less. And when he did fight, he kind of just hung on and whatever. It was, it was more just out of 
it's just self-preservation, I think. And, you know, just, he was older, save his hands. What am I doing this for? Kind of thing. Seemed to me what, that was my take on it. Um, now, um, you know, and I, and Chris often said in this, in his thing here that, well, if you're going to play that way, live by the sword, die by the sword. Well, yeah, but that's like, as fight fans, I get it. And at the same time, yeah, we want to see the fights and everything else, but it's like, if, if Stevens had played that way his entire career, I would, I would be agreeing with you, but he didn't. And he had over a hundred and some fights in his, what, 130 or 140 career fights. And his fight card is really good. So do I think Scott Stevens owes anybody a fight? No, I don't. Um, not at that point. If Scott Stevens and the New Jersey version of Scott Stevens had been Scott Stevens like that for 1,600 games, yeah, then I'd have an issue with him. Um, the fact that he slowed down when he got older was much more valuable to the team uh, and just was probably told to not fight these people. I can get underst- I can completely understand that, and I will give him a pass. I give Scott Stevens a pass on it uh, because of his prior history, his pre-Matson fight, so to speak. Um, uh, you know, and and like I said, to go back to the comments on this, like somebody, oh, I would take him on my team, and uh, he used to run and hide from Domi. He was considerably smaller. Well, that has nothing to size. Ty Domi's size has nothing to do with it. I think Domi's proven at that point that his size has nothing to do with it. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm... Um, and then so oh, Stevens picked his spots. It's like, not really. If you look at his fight card, he didn't. Um, well, of course, with Chris said from 83 to 91, he was not, he didn't. Later on, he did. Yeah, he did. I can't sit there and say he never did because I guess later, as I just kind of, or I'd be speaking, I'd be talking on both sides of my mouth. Later in his career, he did, he did. Um, but like I said, I think, um, 83 to 91. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, eight, nine years gives a guy a pass for the next five or six. Um, I, I will say the, the fight that everybody keeps talking about on here that Manson kicks Steven's ass and everything else. And you go and watch that fight. I don't know what fight you guys are watching. I know what you were doing though. You were listening to the Blackhawks announcers, um, who are completely embarrassing. Um, and, and they, and I, I, it's funny after I watched that fight and then I went back and read the comments, you guys are totally influenced by the fight call of the Chicago announcers that are on YouTube. Cause they're going on and on. And what is it? Oh, what? Oh, after he got cut. Oh, finally that, yeah, Stevens has been running around all game and he cross checked Presley in the face to get this going and everything else. You go and watch the video. He doesn't cross check Wayne Presley in the face. It's in the, it's a mild shove in the shoulder. I don't know what this guy's talking about, you know, and I, I laugh because they're talking like somehow Dave Manson's some clean, like, are you shitting me? I mean, I dig Manson. I like Manson too, but I mean, let's dial it down that Stevens is some like this dirty, brutal, just piece of shit that finally got his like, yeah, all right. First of all, the fight wasn't... I mean, yeah, Stevens got cut. Eh, you know, whatever. Again, I don't know what one-sided beating you're all talking about. Because 
I mean, I guess Manson outpunched him. I mean, he cut him open, but I mean, whatever. I mean, Stevens landed shots too. It's not so, somebody's like, oh, that was one of the top five square off fights ever. It's like, what do you, oh God, like dial it down. Like it, the fights wasn't even that good. I mean, it, it was like a cool atmosphere. There was a line brawl and the two of them separated and, you know, it took it to center ice and the visual of it was cool, but let's, you know, let's dial it down on the historic relevance of, you know, like it's some great top five fight in NHL history. It's whatever. Like I said, you got Homer Chicago Blackhawk fans just influence. It's amazing how, it, how announcers will influence, um, people's comments in the fight. You know, um, yeah, but just kind of going back to the comments, I think the author is being a bit too kind to Stevens as his pugilist days became less. He did get cheaper with bad or late hits. Stick work going after little guys or non-fighters. Um, certainly a favorite with his own fan base and a wanted player. Um, I don't know what stick work or going after little guys, non-fighters this guy's talking about. I mean, now again, did I have some New Jersey Devils center ice package and watched every one of their games? No. Um, but... I was Scott Stevens swinging his stick and going after, like, I mean, I don't, are you talking again? Are we going back to the body checks on Korea and those? Oh, well, that's just playing the game hard. And last time I checked physical contact and body contact was allowed. So again, I, you guys go on and on how you want all this aggressive hockey and all this. So now a guy's doing that and you're shitting on him. So, and like I said, my, my issue with all this is, I mean, you can hate Scott Stevens all you want, whatever, I don't really care. But it's interesting on these fight groups how Stevens and his style of play gets shit on, but no one ever talks about Cronwall, Bruce Orpeck, Chris Pronger, who's the biggest cheap prick pussy ever. But I mean, Pronger, because there he's in the Hall of Fame, whatever, I mean, barely fought, was... 10 times dirtier than Scott Stevens ever was. No one ever brings up Chris Pronger. It's just Stevens, Stevens, Stevens. It's like, you know, and then somebody brought him up with Marchment. Well, Marchment was a knee guy. And he certainly was not in the hall. He was not in the conversation in the Hall of Fame. He wasn't a first line defenseman. So, no, that comparison doesn't work. Chelios, again, another guy who didn't really fight and was dirty and was kind of weaselly, you know. Yeah, I don't think that's fair to Stevens either. Um, you know, uh, well, Cromwell with all the hits and everybody goes on and on. And Cromwell with all this, he had zero career fighting majors. So you talk about live by the sword, die by the sword. Well, he certainly didn't. Or Casperitis or Samuelson. They were all dirty players. I, I, myself, I don't put Stevens in that category of those guys. And he was better than those guys. Again, he's a Hall of Fame first line defenseman. That has to come into the conversation. As much as you don't want it to, and it's like, oh, he hit those guys, live by the sword, die by the sword, blah, blah, blah. Well, you could, as fans, we can sit on the couch and yell that all we want and think it should be like that. Like the one guy puts, if you get called out, you always drop the gloves. It's like, well, this isn't Blades of Steel, dude. Like, this isn't some video game. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. The coach tells you not to fight. You're not fighting. It's just not happening. So, you know. And again, you have to be aware of the situation. Like I said, as fans, yeah, we always want to see him fight and all that. Yeah, I get it. But use your head here. Like, time and a place. Now, should 
Yeah, Stevens probably should have fought Domi at some point. Yeah, he should have. But he didn't. Now, am I going to, but I'm, now all of a sudden that like gets, like I said, now all of a sudden because he didn't fight Ty Domi, you have all these guys online calling him a spot picker, cheap shot artist, and pussy, and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, and, and I mean, he, um, I mean, then that's not fair, you know. Um, well, Steve, old, when Probert was king.com, I mean, he chimes in and, um, and Steve's always great at this stuff too, much like Chris. And he put, I always looked at Stevens as being like two versions, but I never pinpointed it to one event. He was a very underrated style fighter as a youngster in Washington. He was young, but incredibly strong. One of the first things I noticed about him, he was always taking on some tough dudes and making bones as a tough D-man. He was a high draft pick, a tough kid, and a big time hitter. Over time, he faded as a fighter, not so much because of bad losses or career-altering injury, but because he became a superstar defenseman who was filling highlight reels with his goals and hits. A high draft pick maturity. I never looked at him as being a career enforcer type, so I knew the fights would dwindle at some point. If I were to make a top 10 list from his time in Washington, he might crack one or two in the back end, maybe, or enough to get an honorable mention from a year or two. Never looked at one fight being the difference with him. I always looked at him in New Jersey as being as being the time when he really faded as a fighter. Had some tough guys on those New Jersey squads to make the transition a bit easier too, I guess. Never really thought of that Manson fight as being what made him really take stock of his career and life to truly figure out what he wanted to do or what he wanted to be as a hockey player. Fight didn't seem to have that, to have that oh shit factor that career altering fights tend to have. He was bloodied though. If I recall, Stevens was already in transitions mode. He had, he had played the one season in St. Louis after eight years in Washington and went on to play another 13 in New Jersey. So definitely a peculiar year for Stevens. I loved the Washington version of him, but did not care for the New Jersey version. Yes, he was a huge hitter and had some and had some great teams and a wonderful D-man. I just don't get how he felt he didn't have to fight for all his big hits. Or when he did fight, he just held on and wrestled, clearly not interested in jamming. Like many player tough guys, there are the best when they are young. So I generally try to remember him for more for his time in Washington when I think of him as a fighter. Yeah, and that's true. And like I said, I guess... I get where the, where Chris and Steve are coming from in terms of if you're going to throw the hits, you should be fighting. <sighs> yeah, but, well, and then my other argument with that I was having is how many times have you read on here of these guys that get mad, oh, after a clean hit, why does there always have to be a fight? Why should you have to fight after a clean hit? Well, here we are. So Stevens throws the hit, and then why should he have to fight for it? It was clean. Now you can yet, you know, it was at the time, it was, there was no penalty or whatever. So he throw the hit, the clean hit guy coming across the middle. Okay. He, he clips you. Um, yeah. Why does he need to fight? Again, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I'm not saying Steve or Chris said this. I'm just saying in general, we, if you're, if you're a member of these groups or online, you've read that statement. I've ranted and raved about that whole, why do they have to fight after clean hits and blah, 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 that mindset. But again, some of these same guys that are yelling that during the regular season, all of a sudden, now decide to chastise Stevens for not doing it. Well, again, he had a hundred and some career fights, so it wasn't, again, it wasn't like he wasn't fighting. Yes, he definitely slowed down in New Jersey without a doubt. But he was throwing those hits in Washington and St. Louis, too. He's always been a hitter. Then Some of the hits just became a little more high profile, obviously, as more coverage became available and some of them were in the NHL playoffs. So they became like, um, you know, every, every time everyone saw him on the 10 o'clock on ESPN and shit. Um, 
So, uh, again, I, this whole idea that he should have been fighting more. Well, again, from a New Jersey standpoint, I can see why they don't want him fighting. Um, you know, and then, well, then all three cops of Consumite wouldn't take, you know, Dave Madsen never won that. Well, yeah, I, and like I told the one guy, <clears throat> um, number of cups, it's such a, I always hate when anybody adds that to an argument, a like number of championships in a team sport. It's like, that's, no, I don't judge anybody on that because that, that wasn't, the, it's a team sport. It's, you know, so, so one man doesn't make a team or, or break a team. So, uh, yeah, I'm the, the whole championship argument to me is ridiculous. So that has nothing to do with this. We're talking about, and Manson really has nothing to do with the conversation. That was just the time point that, uh, Chris came up with. It's not a slight to Dave Manson or anything. I mean, but he's just, he was, that really has nothing to do with anything, but whatever. Some people want to throw that in too. Um, so, I mean, I guess if Chris wants to use that as a timeline, I get it. Um, Again, I'm kind of with, in Steve's camp on this one. I don't, I I don't see that as the big difference maker. Me, you know, I don't. Again, I'm not a psychologist, so maybe maybe it was, but um, I just think his his role he just became much more um, important in New Jersey. I mean, he was always a great player, but I think in New Jersey it became the defense really focused around him, and uh, and I and I think he basically got told. No more fighting, really, or unless you have to, that kind of thing. And uh, and we have guys for that. I I really think that's what happened. And uh, and he and he focused in on it. At the same time, as soon as he did that, he was winning three cups too. So, um, you know, I think he he had to alter his game a little bit too for the you know for the obviously for the uh, systems that they were running and that type of thing. As again, it's a trap type defense first uh, system. He's much more relied upon than he was in Washington and St. Louis. Not that he wasn't because he was an all-star there too, but I think New Jersey, it, it, their whole team was built around the net out. So he became much more, um, of a, of a piece of the puzzle. So I think that obviously, and you can't do that from the penalty box. So I think, I really think that had a lot to do with it. I don't think it was the Manson fight, but, um, I appreciate Chris for bringing that up and, um, throwing that out there it gives you guys something to think about you listeners out there. Um, like I said, I, I just always appreciate the conversation <clears throat> anyway. Oh folks. Yes. I'm stopping and starting and stopping and starting. Like I said, it's getting late. It's now 11 15 here. That's how many times I've edited it and everything else. Uh, this episode, I don't know this ranting and raving here. Um, uh, if you, happen to be on Facebook and those fight groups. Um, yeah, give, give uh, join up the group and give the article or, or give Chris's post a read in the comments and throw in your two cents. I don't know if you're listening to this. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was my take on it. Uh, you know, and I got Chris, Chris and Steve's and a few other people's and, um, you know, and like I said, there's a lot of people, that called Stevens a headhunter and a cheap show. Oh, he took a pair. He took advantage of vulnerable players. I love that one. No, he was playing the game. They cut across the middle and he hit him. 
basically you're whining because he hit him too hard. But yet you're the same guys that rant and rant. I miss old time hockey. This stuff now is pond hockey pussy bullshit. So then, okay, so then Stevens played the game like prison rules. And you cry about that. So what is it? He was too mean and now is too soft. So what do you like, you know, you know, it's, it's just, what is this? Like the, the three bears in the porridge. It's just gotta be just right. You know, like what is it? You're mad that they're too soft now, but you're mad at Stevens. Oh, cause he took advantage of people. Oh, so he was too mean. So. You know why? Because he, you know, you know why you didn't like him. Because he hit your favoriteist. Because I laughed. The one guy crying. You go look at his profile. Of course, he's a flyer guy. He's from Philly. Well, okay, no wonder you hate Stevens. You know. But this whole like, you don't think Lindros ever hit anybody when they were vulnerable? Go ask that dude from Ottawa. The face he broke. You know, and I bet you weren't online crying about that. You know, like it's just. What is it? Like, again, I, you don't have to like Scotty. I get it. Whatever. I, I don't care. But just this, you guys talk out of, I'm not, again, I'm not talking to Chris and Steve. I'm just these goofs that like to chime in. You guys, you, all of you guys like to talk out of both sides of your mouth. Like, oh, why do we have to fight after every hit now? And then when Steve, but when Stevens doesn't fight Domi, the one, oh yeah, no, he always did that. He was a chip and shit. He ran away all the time. Well, 140 some career fights kind of proves that he didn't do that. But okay, you want to say, because he didn't fight Domi, all of a sudden Scott Stevens is the biggest coward piece of shit to ever play. Oh, all right. You know, and like like I said, it's just, okay. He's a polarizing figure and whatever. People are just going to whine about him to whine about him. But, you know, pick a side. Pick your side and stay to it. Stick to it, you know. So, and again, do I think... You know, for my last, my my final wrap up. Do I think Scott Stevens is a headhunter? No. Um, did he take advantage of the situation? Well, whatever. I mean, you could talk. Oh well, Niedermeyer used to funnel him in, and then Stevens would come across the middle. I had a guy at work tell me about that. Well, all right. I mean, it's it was no secret then what their game plan was. So maybe you don't do it. <laughs> you know, no. Stevens just. He just, he was different. I mean, there are some guys that hit and some guys that are, there'll be some guys that will, there's body contact and then, and guys that will play the man or, you know, do enough to take the guy away from the puck or whatever, separate man from puck. And then there's guys that are separating you from your senses. And Stevens was one of those guys. And like I said, it seems just to me that a lot of people just are crying because basically he hit too hard. Well, so like I said, you, you guys, you know, you want your cake and, and to eat it too. And it's like, you know, what is it? What do you want? So that's... That's that. That's the Scott Stevens. So I'm sure we'll revisit this topic in another couple months. But anyway, in the dog days of summer, there we go. Um, last but not least, let's get to this Buffalo Sabres list. Let's uh, hold on. I just gotta, I gotta click through it here. We'll find it and um, <clears throat> let's see what this list holds. 
like I said, I have not read it, so this is new to me as well. So here we go, the top eight. I always like it's like top five or top ten or top twenty-five. No, top eight. Where did they get the eight from? All right, but whatever. Um, from Saber Saber's Life by Elliot K. Okay, I don't know if Saber's Life is a, a vlog or a blog or a podcast or what it is. Doesn't really say, but. All right, Elliot, what do you got? Um, okay. Buffalo Sabres and Expanded Team 69. Long, long history of toughness. Um, today we sit down and we rate the toughest Buffalo Sabres of all time. Okay. I will go, well, let's see what they do here. Well, they're going to start at eight. Huh, all right. We're off to a hot start. Number eight, the all, again, the all time toughest Buffalo Sabres. According to Sabres Life, Elliot K. Number eight, Andrew Peters. Uh, big Andrew Peters came out from the OHL, played 200 games at 557 penalty, min- 57 penalty minutes. Sorry, folks. Just had a thing of Pepsi there to kind of... <laughs> didn't mean to burp into the microphone on you. <clears throat> Andrew Peters, big kid, came out of the Ontario Hockey League. Blah, blah, 200 games, 557 minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Andrew Peters, number eight. Um you know, I, I've often, with, Peters was kind of one of the 2000 kids, and that was sort of right when I was, I was sort of fading out of hockey at that point, and then like I said, I was working, I had the job, I was busy, I was working like kind of two jobs, you know, at that point, uh, engaged almost to be married, and so my priority really was not watching hockey or anything else, plus he was an Ontario guy, so I didn't really see a lot of junior footage of him, I know he was really big, um, I know he sort of gets shit on, um, uh, you know, the stuff I saw, he was, you know, actually who, you know, I know everybody likes big, uh, big Brian McGratton there, uh, who did not lose too many and how some people have in, um, you know, top 10s, top 15, top 20 of all time kind of talk, um, you know, for the era McGratton, old bigger and they're sort of viewed as kind of the, one of the top kingpin guys. And he certainly was. Um, if you go back and I mean, him and Andrew Peters had, I, I don't know how many, six, seven, they had a whole bunch of fights anyway. Um, go, I, I encourage you to go back and, and watch that series. I think there's a YouTube video that has all seven rounds or eight rounds of their series. Um, I, uh, I would go back and, and view that Andrew Peters is really well against Brian McGratton. He always did well against McGratton and, um, I don't know. I always liked Peters. Like, again, I, I remember reading on the message boards a few times back in that time period. A lot of people didn't like him and shit on him. I don't know if he was, if he was a very, if he was a real vocal guy on the interview. I know he's on social media, he does a podcast and stuff now. Um, actually, way back when I talked about him about coming onto my show. I'd like to get him on my show. I know he is in the, in lately, he, I, I have seen a few of his tweets where he has sort of talked about He's kind of shit on fighting a little bit. Like, do we really need fight? Not that he had to do it, but I think, or maybe he has talked about him having to do it, whatever. But I know he's kind of like, you know, do we really need fighting anymore? And I think it's more of a conversation starter for his podcast, but, um, I'd like to have him on to have that talk with him. Um, and I know it did come out that he took steroids and everything, which people shit on him for, but it's like, really, you think he was the only one? I mean, and at that point, I've always kind of, not that I'm a pro steroid guy, but I completely understand why guys took it. Um, so I don't hold that against him at all. Um, so, but I know he takes some shit, but, uh, I don't know. I, I never mind Peters, whatever. I'm sort of, you know, not former again, but I was just like, you know, whatever. Cool with me. 
Um, number seven. Number seven, Eric Bolton. I like Bolton. Um, 172 games, 500 brought in to be robberies. Understudy that never really worked out. He did go on to have a lengthy career. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I remember when he did come up, I think he was supposed to be the kind of the apparent, the hair apparent to Rob Ray. Um, very similar, kind of an undersized enforcer guy, because I think Bolton's only got to be about 6'6'1". Six, six, um, I remember the first time I really saw him was in a preseason fight with Prover, and he that was an awesome fight. And I was like, Who, shit, again, another Ontario guy, right? So I never really saw Bolton play in the OHL, so it was like, who is this guy? And... Um, I know he made some noise in the East Coast League and stuff coming up in the American League. And, uh, yeah, I was always a big Bolton fan, of course. He went on to play, you know, how many years. Um, but just a wide open, toe-to-toe guy. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm down with Bolton. I was a big Bolton fan. I, I, I dig it. Uh, number six. Oh, Matt Barnaby. Oh, there you go. 317 games, 1,248 minutes. Uh, more known for his mouth. Uh, Barnaby was always entertaining and never afraid to back up his mouth. Never afraid to back up his antics and would take on anybody. Um, and often undersized in the fights. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Barnaby was, uh, yeah, he, I will say for Barnaby, I, I love Matt Barnaby. I thought he was great. Um, for all his mouthing off and everything else, he always backed up his shit. I'll give him that. Um, he fought everybody, took some beatings. Um, (laughs) I always said with Barnaby with his fighting style, if he had, if he, if he had actually just sort of concentrated and kind of got mad and fought serious, um, I think think he would have actually been pretty good. Um, as it was, he was okay, but you ever, he's always talking in the fights and he's telling the refs to stay out of it. And he sort of lets the, he tells this rope-a-dope thing or he kind of lets the guy tire himself out. And then he kind of makes the big comeback at the end and, um, you know, and he kind of, and then he starts kind of taking it serious and he starts like kind of winning the fight. It was like, dude, if you had done that from the start, you know, <laughs> Um, but that was just this thing, right? And he was gonna, he was gonna, you were gonna punch him in the face. He's still gonna tell you it didn't hurt. And I mean, he was being an asshole even when the fight was going on. So, but I'm, no, I'm down with Barnaby. I mean, you know, would I have him in a top 10 or top whatever all time Sabres fighters list? Ah, yeah, probably not. Um, uh, but, you know, am I bitching that he's on the list? No, I mean, I get it. Um, you know, but yeah, he was certainly busy. I mean, he fought all the time and whatever. I mean, I, I dig Barnaby. Um, and he was undersized. Like I think was he 5'11", you know, buck 80 or whatever. So, but fearless and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm down with Barnaby. He's cool. Uh, number five, Lindy Ruff. Oh, there you go. Uh, 608 games, 1112 minutes. Um, 89. Yeah. Well, I looked, yeah, he, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Ruff. Now, Ruff's one of those guys, I mean, like I said, again, I'm sort of, um, like, discovering this list with you guys, so I didn't have a chance to, like, you know, oh, I went and looked up his, his cards, and this is who he fought, and blah, blah, blah. So, um, I'm just going by pure memory. I have, I've seen Ruff fight on some assorted tapes and stuff. Um, yeah, he was a fairly frequent fighter. Was he some big heavyweight? No. Um, but I, I think he's just one, you know, one of those grit guys that didn't back down. Um, again, I, I sort of, I have really no opinion on Lindy Ruff. I mean, I, I wasn't watching the Sabres. I, I don't remember watching him play. I mean, that was kind of before really my time of paying attention. So, um, 
you know, I certainly don't have a Lindy Ruff player DVD or anything. So, um, some of the fights that I have on a sort of disc, he looked fine. I know he was always, I remember him battling Billy Smith. I remember, I actually just watched that a little while ago. Smith, Smith sort of like butt ends him around the eye and he just loses his shit. I, I just watched that again for the first time in a while. Um, but yeah, I remember somebody's told me he was he was he was Lindy on the road and rough at home. I heard that a few times, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. He did some fair share of fighting. Again, would I put him on a top eight list or whatever this is? Eh, probably not. But okay, whatever. Um, number four, Mike Foligno, uh, the man with the spaceballs helmet. Yeah, um, a great player, but not only that, but would back up his physical play and. Not back down from anybody. 664 games, 1,400 minutes. Yeah, I mean, Felino probably had the, one of the worst buckets in NHL history. And, of course, his kids have gone on to play. But, uh, again, one of those guys, um, yeah, he was just just a sandpaper guy that wouldn't take shit. And, um, you know, was he some real big killer? No. But um, he had some really great battles, um, you know. And, uh, I always liked Mike Foligno as a big fan, you know, after he scored, he'd jump up in the air. That was kind of funny. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just a grit guy. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, again, when I put him on a top, on a top eight list, uh, not if some of the names don't come up here really quick. I mean, I could think of a bunch of guys I'd put ahead of him. um, in terms of just my overall, like just hockey fan appreciation, yeah, I'm down with Mike Felino. You know, good skilled guy going to the corner. And if you wanted to, if you wanted to, if shit was going south, he'd be in there with you. So yeah, I got nothing. I have nothing but you know, I'm down with Mike Felino. But I wish he had changed his helmet. But but then a part of it's like ah, that helmet, that little character, right? Can't everybody be the same? But uh, you know, all right. But number four of the Sabres all time list. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, number three. Brad May uh, scored perhaps the most famous goal in Buffalo history, but would also drop the gloves with anybody. Played 425 games, a first-round pick of the Sabres in 1991, yeah, 1,300 minutes penalties. Yeah, I mean Brad May is one of my uh, one of my all-time favorites. Um, I love Brad May. I've, I've I'm whatever he played in the World Juniors here at Team Canada in Saskatoon. That's where I first noticed him. Was a fan ever since then. Um, you know, never played in the minors, went right to the NHL. Um, May was a bad dude, man. A guy, he, uh, he, if you go back and watch, um, he fought with some bad intentions and he threw bombs and, uh, you know, and in terms of the code, uh, he certainly broke it many times, of course, with bomb, hitting Baumgartner when he was down and Millette. And, um, he certainly wasn't above, you know, throwing the odd, you know, cheap shot or cheap punch after. Which, I mean, myself, I never had a... Ah, the Baumgartner one was a little rough. But, I mean, you're in the heat of battle and you're fighting. I get it. You know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Brad, Brad May's a motherfucker, man. He he was mean when he fought. And he fought to hurt. And I can respect that. Uh, decent player. Had a hell of a long career. And, uh, yeah, won a couple cups. He won two cups? A couple cups, anyway. Or one for sure with Anaheim. Um... Yeah, man, I'm I'm down with Brad. I love Brad May, and I I lost my shit. We were we were drinking in uh, Kenny's basement. Uh, yeah, Kenny, I won't, I won't expose who it was, but yeah, in a friend's basement. We were watching that game, and uh, I remember joking with my friend. And I said, "Oh yeah, May will score the winner." We were just joking, right? And then when he did, we lost our shit when he scored it. We were loving it. Um, yeah, I love Brad May. Um, 
again, uh, would I have him in the top? I would have, I would have him in a top eight. Yeah, I would have him in, the, I wouldn't have him this high myself, but he would be on my top eight list. If I was this my list, I would have him in the top eight, but I wouldn't have him at three. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, number two. <coughs> mm, all right. Uh, that's surprising because this guy would actually, I'd have it number one. But number two, they have Rob Ray. Um, Razor played 889 games, 3,108. All time savers, penalty minute leader, took on everybody, uh, was famous for strip tees, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I thought he'd be number, he'd be number one on my list. Um, would be, would be Rob Ray, was he the toughest fighter in saber history? Um, no. You know, some would say play fair and stuff. Um, but I think just for the amount of time he did it, for the frequency, the longevity, I would say I would have him at number one if we're, if we're taking all those into consideration. Um, I know a lot of people give him shit for, oh, he, he was nothing with his jersey, without his jersey coming off. That's not true. I mean, he had as many knockouts, if not, or TKOs, if not more when his jersey stayed on. Um, I, I'm a massive Rob Ray fan. I mean, there's there's the, there's a video of Rob Ray TKOs that's like seven or eight minutes on YouTube. I mean, he he dropped more. I mean, I know Coaster is kind of the everybody talks about Coaster as the premier TKO guy. Ray dropped more guys than Coaster did. Uh, I'm not saying Ray was a harder punch or anything, but I'm just saying in terms of TKOs in the NHL, I don't think anyone has more than Rob Ray does, and um, did it for a long time. His fight. That Chris Y2J there is a Buffalo guy. Um, him and I are going to get into the Ty Domi, Rob Ray uh, feud where it was uh, was it thirteen fights. Uh, he actually sent me a DVD that I have not had a chance to look at because I went on holidays and whatever. But it's the the Rob Ray Ty Domi uh, feud in its entirety, all the fights with interviews and everything else. I am so looking forward to watching that disc because I love those fights. And uh, I'm really looking forward to breaking down that feud with Chris, who was in Buffalo and lived through it. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, But yeah, Ray, just tremendous. And uh, like I said, I got I have nothing but respect for Rob Ray. He was, he was great. And uh, I would have had him at number one. Um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming play fair or whatever. But um, <clears throat> I know a lot of people, Sabre, like real Sabre fight guys will have, Playfair and Ray won too. Um, you know, and that, that, the thing with me with Larry Playfair, uh, I just, I, I mean, I've read all the things about him and, and the, some of the fights, okay. I just, there's a real lack of footage out there and, uh, and it's not a rabbit hole that I've gone down. Like, I've certainly gone out of my way to look up Larry Playfair stuff, but I've seen him fight. Yeah, he's just a, he's just a real big dude. And, and like I said, the stories of him are legendary and I really wish there was more footage out there of him. Um, but I know longtime Sabres fans would have him at number one and then Ray at number two or one, two between those two anyway, would be interchangeable one, a one B if you will. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's interesting, but yeah, Rob Ray, number two, number one. <laughs> oh, this is true. Oh, I gotta take a drink. This is tremendous. Well, here I am. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, that's why it's the joys of doing this live. Um, 
my reaction is the same as you guys listening to this. Um, again, I was assuming it would be Larry Playfair at number one. It was not. Um, Larry, obviously, Larry was not on this list. Um, all right. Uh, number one, John Scott. Uh, all right. Um, John Scott, 62 games, 194 minutes, was not here long. But the largest man on the list uh, made an immediate impact. Um, just ask Phil Kessel. Um, played in an all-star game. Yeah, uh, John Scott. Um, all right. Um, well, he only played two seasons in Buffalo. Uh, would I have him on this list? Uh, if, no. If, well, if he did, it would be number eight. Um, yeah, mammoth guy. Um, <clears throat> I've said this on here, uh, on this show before. I never really got the John Scott thing. Um, he was a big guy. I personally think he picked the spots a little bit. If you go and look at his fight card, there's a there's a bunch of names that aren't on there. And if you're going to claim to be the heavyweight champ and all this stuff, um, like where's Bugard, where's McIntyre, that type of thing in that era, he, he didn't fight those guys. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he was Scott was solid and everything else. Um, I just just don't think he did it long enough to be completely honest. Um, the whole Phil Castle thing, um, I've heard John Scott's version of it. Um, listening to him tell that version kind of indicates to me, I don't know if he really understood the whole enforcer role. Not that me, Johnny Couch Potato does, but my understanding of that, of the job of the enforcer is completely not what he's talking about. Um, the Phil Kessel thing happened because Toronto's tough guy beat up your goal scorer. And that's why you went after Phil Kessel. Um, which, yeah, that should have happened. And, and it did, kind of, but he didn't really do anything to Kessel. And it was, but he's, cause he's too nice. And I told Phil, I'm going to jump you. And I gave him the heads up. And well, why, why are you, why are you giving him the heads up? Why are we being nice about this? You know, but. And you're, they're your rivals and everything else. I mean, I don't know. I just, it's one of the, it's a modern day hockey thing. He's just Mr. Being Mr. Nice Guy, right? Um, personally, you should just pump Kessel and just whatever and say that's what you get for messing with our skilled guys. You know, whatever. But, uh, so I, don't know, I, never, I didn't hold that against Scott, but I was just like, what do you do? What are you talking about, man? Um, the whole All Star game thing, I, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I what I'm not going to go on on my John Scott rant. And plus, there's there are some things outside of hockey that uh, some shit that went down with him and the goose from hockeyfights.com and my boy William and everything that left a sour taste in my mouth. And uh, so that that might taint my opinion of John Scott. But nonetheless, he played the game. He did it. Everything else. Um, and now, would I have John Scott at the top of Buffalo Saber enforcer history? Uh, no. But, uh, I think Larry Playfair obviously was an omission. Um, who else? Well, Gord Donnelly, um, uh, Danny Gare, Schaumfeld. I mean, yeah. Uh, Hartman, Bo- the Boogie Boogner, I, McGuire, I don't know. Who else could you put on there? Um, there was a few guys on the, on, that were missed on that list, but I think Playfair was obviously the most glaring omission. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, once again, folks, there you go. There's the top eight Buffalo Sabres, according to Saber Life, Elliot K. Um, 
interesting list. Um, I always enjoy doing those. Um, I know you, I've had, a, I get the feedback from you guys. I know you guys enjoy the lists as well. So it was fun to bring that to you. Um, and I always say with these lists, I always hope the lists are shitty because then you can just kind of take the shit, the piss out of them. Um, you know, again, the guys on that list are tough, but I, it's kind of the order I'm having issue with. Um, you know, and like I said, there's always going to be names missed, but I think, uh, Larry Playfair's name missing off that list is rather egregious, but, um, I can understand maybe missing, not, not a slight to Mike Hartman, but I can get, I get it, but Larry Playfair can't, I don't know if I can get a lot that, I don't think I can let that one slide, but, uh, anyway, folks, there's the uh, top eight Buffalo Sabres enforcers of all time. Um, yeah, wow, I'm just looking at this, it's, what is that, an hour and a half of me ranting and raving. Huh. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, like I said, it's late tonight. And, uh, like I said, it's the dog days of summer just coming back from vacation. And I wanted to put something out for you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was sort of a lot of, uh, a lot of ranting and, and sort of nonsensical at this point. But, uh, it's content and I wanted to talk to you guys. So there we go. But anyway, guys, it's, uh, I have to get, I have to get up tomorrow to go to work again early Sunday morning. So, uh, and I still have to upload this. So I have to go upload this to make sure it's available for your consumption Sunday morning. So, um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. We do this every Sunday and Wednesday. I'm hoping to have a guest for you on Wednesday. Um, we'll play it by ear, see what happens. I'm hoping they reply to me tomorrow and we can set up a time. Um, if not, uh, yeah. I, I legitimately have no idea what I'm going to talk to you about Wednesday if I do not get a guest. But I will be here to talk to you. I don't know about what, but something. But uh, in the meantime, it's the beginning of the work week. Let's attack it. And thank you very much for tuning in. Like I said, I know there is a million podcasts in this world to listen to. The fact that you chose the fourth line voice, um, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, my only last request is whatever platform you're listening to this on, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, what have you, could you rate and review my show? I would greatly appreciate it. Maybe don't base your entire ratings on this episode. Maybe do it as a whole. <laughs> but uh, no, thank you very much. And hey, and if you, and if you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice. Uh, yeah, send me a private message. If you're not on social media, you're smarter than the rest of us. I always say, but uh, email me, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Send me an email. Drop me a line. Uh, if you have a list or a topic or just want to say whatever or say I'm full of shit or I disagree and I hate Scott Stevens, ah, whatever. Or you, I agree and I like Scott Stevens. Send me whatever. I'm always, I'm always pumped to hear from you guys. So let me know. But, uh, all right, guys, let's get out of here. Thank you very much for tuning in. Talk to you Wednesday. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 